This podcast is made possible in part by patrons like you. Become a patron today at patreon.com slash binge movies. This is my instant reaction for Ambulance. Action movies have tropes. Some of those tropes I am an extensive lover of. I love men on a mission movies. I love movies that have ticking time clock elements to them when they're done well. I like movies where bad guys, where you're put into a position to cheer or root for the bad guys. I love movies that deal with moral ambiguity. I like the trope of two or more people, right? There's sort of the, the innocent man who ends up in the wrong place at the wrong time. His back is up against the wall, and he and in a moment of weakness, for a greater good, mind you, but in a moment of weakness, he decides to do something that is selfless and yet selfish at the exact same time. I like that. And then we have to deal with the moral ambiguity of it. I like heist films. I like action movies. I like car chases. I like all that sort of stuff. So if you say, hey, Michael Bay is going to make a, a state-of-the-art, cutting-edge, basically 90s action movie, for lack of a better term, but with all of the 2020 drone shots you could ever dream of, doing stuff with drones in HD that we've never even seen before, and it, just taking the whole movie chase sequence to a whole new level. Uh, I, it, potentially sign me up for that. Potentially. Because Michael Bay has proclivities. And we're going to get to some of those proclivities in this instant reaction. The first thing I need to let you know is that this instant reaction is going to have some spoilers in it. There will be a line of demarcation in the sand when we get to spoilers. They will be minimal-ish, but we will have some spoilers. I will demarcate when we're going to spoilers so you can shut it off before we get there. Upfront, spoiler-free, general impressions, just out of the theater, right on the microphone. Let's fucking go. Okay, first 25 minutes of this movie, I'm sitting there, other than with one exception, one caveat, the first 25 minutes of this movie fucking rule. And I'm, I'm watching the movie, and I'm like, this is great. I am accepting of the fact that I don't know anything about Danny Sharp, a.k.a. Jake Gyllenhaal. I am accepting of the fact that I don't know very much at all about Will Sharp, a.k.a. Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. I don't know these people. I don't know their situation. Uh, I have a vague outline of what the relationship is with each other, but I, I, you know, <laughs> we, we go from the the bare minimum of establishing them as people and as characters. That also goes for uh, uh, the EMT, who's played by Isa Gonzalez, who you might know from Baby Driver, and they say her name fifty million times. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you what her name was, like Cami or Cameo or Camilla or. Cameron or something. It starts with a C. Doesn't really matter. We get this base outline of uh, basically a, a family man, ex-Marine, back in the United States, 
with a with a baby boy and a beautiful wife, and he's up against the wall, and he has this adopted brother in Jake Gyllenhaal, who is from the trailers, as you can tell, a criminal. And uh, they've they've gone their separate ways because Will has tried to be a better man, be a good man, uh, unlike his adopted family and his, in particular his adopted brother. But now he's up against it. Okay, he needs money because his child has cancer. Or his wife has cancer. I don't know who has cancer, but somebody has cancer and he needs money. That's fine. That's enough. Then we're, we're just immediately thrust into the action. That's it. The, the, the most threadbare of plotting and characterization and motivation. We get right into it and I'm fine. I'm fine with it. I said I had a little caveat and here's my caveat. The bank heist, the bank scene, the, 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 in, the, the, Entirety of how everything goes down, some extremely creative camera shots, um, Michael Bay, top form. Problem is the camera, that, that frenetic pace that Bay is famous for exists in scenes that do not require it. I know that that's what he's known for. I know Michael Bay as an auteur, <laughs> film Twitter. I know that as an auteur, Michael Bay is known for being a maximalist. He will shoot the most mundane thing in the most frenetic way possible. Here's my problem with that. In this movie in particular, the movie is an extended car ambulance chase. It's an extended car chase with more or less like three action set pieces. And if you take Matt Reeves, the Batman, there's multiple action set pieces in that. The crowning jewel of that movie from an action perspective is a car chase. If you notice what he does on either side of the car chase, it's pretty low key. It's, it's, there's some action, a little bit here and there. There's some fisticuffs, there's some this and that, but there's plotting, there's this diff different stuff. If we think about another Batman movie, The Dark Knight by Christopher Nolan, we think about that car chase with the Joker and, and um, Gordon and the Rockets and all this sort of stuff and, um, you know, all that stuff. When we think about it, <clears throat> The before and after, there is an acceleration. There's a ramping up and then a series of crescendos, almost like a fireworks display. And when you think they couldn't get any more frenetic and any crazier, they up the ante and they up the ante and they up the ante. And you're going, holy shit. And you feel like you're on a roller coaster ride because think about a roller coaster, right? It's not just like super fast in one direction. It's not just super high in one direction. It's not just all turn, turns or all twists or all inversions. It's a series of elements that build upon each other. And part of it is that ramping up. It's that anticipation to get the height, to get the speed, to hit the different elements. Action sequences need to be directed in a similar way in a film. It's called pacing. We've got to build towards the different elements. Michael Bay doesn't do that. His roller coasters are just one crazy inversion. You just take off and you're inverted and that's it. Okay. The problem is there's elements of this movie that could have just breathed. There are elements of this movie that could have just been shot like an actual film, just normally. So that when we get to extremely impressive Action sequences, again, I think of about three set pieces. The bookends are the best part of, of the action sequences, the beginning and the end. There's some middle stuff that's okay. There's some middle stuff that's a real slog. 
But <laughs> if he had just had a little bit, a modicum, a modicum of restraint, this is one of the best action movies I've seen in years. If he just had a modicum, this is one of his best movies in years. There's good stuff in here. I would even say Yahya Abdul-Mateen delivers a pretty good performance in this movie. Um, I, there, there's, there's some unexpected things. He subverts tropes from heist movies and action movies. He's got a lot of them in here, but things don't go the way you think they're going to go, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And again, the first 20, 25 minutes, he had me. I was hooked. It was pulse pounding. I felt anxious. I felt tense. I felt like, oh my gosh. I felt the thrills, the chills, the danger of it. I really enjoyed it. Then the movie goes and hits Michael Bay's proclivities. Michael Bay has a proclivity for middle aged, right wing <laughs> cops with tactical vests or you know, some amalgamation thereof. FBI agents or government agents with machine guns in their hand who, who all have weird, like every character in one of his movies has one weird or two weird or three weird or four weird idiosyncrasies. There's a police or FBI or SSI or whatever the fuck he is. There's some guy in this who for some reason has a very tiny car I think it might be a classic VW bug, but I might be mistaken about it. He's got a very tiny car. Think Fiat size. And a very large dog that farts. This character comes on the scene. I don't know his name. I don't know that we're ever given his name. He, we have 25, 30 minutes. We're into this movie, in this action sequence. And then, and then the movie does what all Michael Bay movies do. They just start throwing random fucking characters into this movie. And then we start spending inordinate amount of time with them. And they are almost all introduced. They're serious characters, but they're almost all introduced with some kind of gag. Be it a gag about Cheetos and Cheeto dust. Be it a gag about ethnicity and weird foods. Or haircuts be it a gag about being gay and being in therapy be it a gag about whatever and then the, and then the characters will just say these will just cut away from action sequences for these characters who who are coming out of nowhere coming out of the woodwork we do not know their names we don't even know what their fucking job is they just appear on the screen and they'll just say some shit and it'll be some kind of gag and it almost feels like that Really shitty Paul Feig improv comedy, but it, instead of going and getting like Paul Rudd to do it, you 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 went out and you got uh, I, I guess you know I shouldn't say Paul Feig. I should probably throw uh, Judd Apatow under the bus, but Paul Feig does the same thing. Rather, if it's Paul Feig, it'd be Melissa McCarthy. Rather than get Melissa McCarthy on and have her pants fall down and have a gag about wontons, it goes in goes nowhere for an extended period of time. We have these very quick gags. It, it's, uh, I'll give you a, a, better, a better example. If you've seen the Transformers movies, remember the parents 
and how in the middle of like all this plotting and it just like plot elements would come out of nowhere and it felt like all, like all these transformers lines and the human lines they were just ADR'd in you know and it's just like all of this like deluge of information and gags and jokes and like people are talking over top of each other and then it would just cut away to the parents like hi or cut away to the parents fucking or cut you know it's some sort of like a dog humping somebody's leg and you're like what the fuck what is this it's in this movie. It's here. It's here. And when it happens, I, well, here's what I'll say. Jake Gyllenhaal is, as D- Danny is this really weird, over the top, mostly uh, 99% unfunny, kind of cringy, Michael Bay sort of character. This is not Gyllenhaal's like, end of watch work. He's not trying here. He's doing, I don't know what the fuck. It almost feels like he's doing a parody. Really, truly. It it took me a while to like modulate to his performance because it didn't feel real. It just didn't. I was like, whoa, what the like? And you could say like, well, he's in on the gag. Okay, maybe, maybe. But he gets, I I don't know if he improv it or if it was the script, but he's got some one-liners that are stinkers. And they keep cutting back to him, and there's, like, different bits throughout the movie. Like, we'll go from extremely serious, like, oh, my God, pulse pounding action and, like, ticking time clock. And is this person going to die? Are they not going to die? What's going to happen? You know, is this, what's going on here? And, like, intrigue. And then we just cut away to, like, really broad gags that aren't set up. And that's the weird thing about Michael Bay's direction and humor is, is it's like he entered, he, he, he like, just cut to a character or cut to a broad sort of punchline, but there was no setup. A, a movie has setups and payoffs. Jokes need setups and punchlines. It's like the only form of humor he has are complete non sequiturs. Complete non sequiturs, misogynistic, right wing nationalistic. <laughs> Like weirdo pseudo like 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 talking points. It's very strange. It's it, it, it's very very strange. But anyways, where the fuck was I even going? I, I, Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, it's fine when it's like okay, he's gonna be the that guy. He's gonna be the Michael Bay guy. I wouldn't do it because to me it removes all the stakes because when you have two brothers, one of them who's sympathetic, the other one who is like the white hat is Yahya Abdul-Mateen and the black hat is Jake Gyllenhaal and your black hat is a gag machine. It takes, and the whole movie is about tension and like these two people who love each other, but they have clashing personalities and clashing morals and what's going to happen. And it it just kind of takes the wind out of the sails of the movie a little bit. Um, cause you don't really give a shit what happens to Jake Gyllenhaal because he's so fucking stupid. Uh, we'll get to more of that in the spoiler section. So anyway, when it's just him, it's like, it's tolerable because a lot of the action sequences are, are very good. When we get past that 30 minute mark, we start introducing the FBI and cops and this character and that character and more like doctors on golf courses and like, just like cartel members, just like. Uh, random, random, random 
fucking characters. Um, to, to the point where it starts to feel like Too Fast, Too Furious. And if it's not that one, there's another one where I think it's Too Fast, Too Furious. It's whatever one Tez shows up for the first time. If you remember that plot, that's a that's they end up doing that in this movie to some extent. And you're like, Jesus, man, like th- this is the best we could do. I guess that movie's 20 years old or close there too, so whatever. What's old is new again. But when they start throwing all of these characters and every character has some kind of a quirk, the lady in the van, she's sassy, you know. And again, I'm watching it. I'm like, it fe- like nobody has been able to do that better than Tony Scott and Quentin Tarantino. But in particular, Tony Scott. Tony Scott was a guy who could do this type of movie better than anybody else. And the whole time, I don't know what it is about, and all of his movies are good, but there's something about his ability to, if you think about Enemy of the State, there's something in the calibration of it, even though it's kind of cheesy, even though there's gags and jokes, he calibrates it in such a way that it overall works. And whatever is in that formula, Michael Bay has a little too much salt or something. There's too much something in there. Because what happened was, I love this movie. I thought it fucking ruled for what it was. Accepted it for what it was. And then it lost me. This movie is, I don't know, what, two and a half hours long. This movie lost me for a good 40 minutes. I mean, a solid 40 minutes. I was out. Because it just was, it got too Michael Bayish, and I don't mean Bayhem. I don't mean the action set pieces, because that's what this is. I mean all the other stuff I just talked about—the really weird non sequitur humor and scatological humor and like sexist, sexist jokes and all that sort of stuff. And it's fun if you have like a character that that's what they are, like you know whatever that guy's the misogynist. He says inappropriate things done well okay i don't know what the purpose of it is but if it was funny or whatever but if it's just like just a bunch of random fucking characters seemingly saying a bunch of random shit without any of it being established it just gets very annoying and my brain just starts to turn the fuck off in the worst way possible so on that level the movie didn't work for me for a good solid 40 minutes uh Everything else I have to say about it, I'm going to get to next in spoilers. That's the end of my spoiler-free section. If you want to know whether I recommend it or not, uh, yeah, I guess. I'm going to give this one a three and a half out of four stars, or five stars, rather. Three and a half out of five stars. Uh, Use the letterbox method here on these instant reactions. I'll give it three and a half out of five stars. There you have it. It's it, it's it's like a near miss because it could have been the premise is good the elements are there the actors are there the director is there but he just doesn't have the restraint from his worst tendencies couple of tweaks here and there a little bit of restraint and this is a great uh action movie so nevertheless so when we come back in a few short seconds we'll be talking about spoilers Looking for even more unique and creative movie content? Become a patron. Choose between three levels and you'll get benefits like a personalized membership card, exclusive shows, early instant reactions to new releases, episode voting power, live streams, and more. Join today 
patreon.com slash binge movies. All right, that was your last chance. If you go further beyond this point, you're now in spoiler territory. So the question of a movie like this is always, how are they going to get out of it? How are Danny and EMT, whatever her name is, and Will going to get out of it? Because Will's got a kid, and Will's got a wife, and somebody's got cancer, and they need money. And Jake Gyllenhaal, you kind of want to see him get his come up in, sort of. It really matters. But the twist of the movie is uh, essentially they go in to rob a bank and then contrivance of all contrivance, a rookie cop wants to go into that very bank and ask one of the tellers played by Kaylee Tran uh, out on a date. And he walks in right mid robbery. And one of the things that bothers me is most of these robbers, none of them wear a mask. Uh, there's a bit of like a COVID joke with masks. that's like kind of clever, but it just also kind of fell flat. They're all using their real names. They're all very clearly on camera. At one point, Jake Gyllenhaal looks in the camera, acknowledges it. Nothing. It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. They're all using their real names. They're all re- using personal details and identifying characteristics about themselves. Nobody's covering up their tattoos. Everything they do is exceptionally and extraordinarily obvious. Up to and including, like, just talk about Will being a Marine and all this sort of stuff. So the cop comes in and he catches on by some contrivance that something's not right here. And Jake Gyllenhaal goes apeshit. And then the partner who's waiting for him eventually catches on to what's going on. A shootout ensues. And it turns out that that this whole heist is already being monitored by a division of the police. And they knew that they were probably going to hit this bank to try to get this money that may have been retired money. I don't know. There's this money, $34 million. They're trying to get as much of it out as they can. And they're all going to be millionaires, blah, blah, blah. The twist is all of the bad guys, all the henchmen die. And Will and Danny have to, uh, they hijack an ambulance. Because in the process of all of this, in trying to escape, the rookie cop who's been taken hostage by Jake Gyllenhaal breaks free and gets into a tussle with Danny. And Will, reacting in the moment, shoots him twice. And the guy's bleeding out, and they're originally going to leave him, but they can't. So Will decides he's going to uh, uh, take him, but they can't. And then uh, the EMT shows up, and the cop gets the rookie cop gets put into the amb- ambulance. And then Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, Yaya take the uh, ambulance hostage. And the rest of the movie is pretty much a car chase. And at, at certain points, different government agencies get involved. At certain points. The cartel gets involved, and there's shootouts, and they get out of the ambulance, the bus, they get into the bus, they do this, they do that, blah, 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 blah. And the whole time you're thinking to yourself, my God, how are they going to get out of this situation? And that's the trouble with a movie like this is because eventually you have painted them in such a corner that it's really hard to stick the landing, right? You have in a movie, the entire movie is a high-speed pursuit with a ticking time clock element of a cop who is dying and Will, who's a good man who wants to do the right thing, but is caught between a rock and a hard place because 
you have his brother on one hand and you have what's right on the other hand. And you've got this innocent woman who's trapped in the middle and all the elements are there for a great film. Uh, what ends up happening is you, you run the risk of kind of screwing the pooch when you got to wrap it up. How do you conclude this? How do you conclude? Do you have them get away? Do you have Yaya get away, but Jake doesn't like all this sort of stuff. It ends up being done the most ham fisted way. At one point, the EMT, uh, once again, played by Miss Gonzalez, uh, like, like very early on when she's introduced, looks at her phone and, and says, I'm broke. And then at another point is talking to her, her new rookie partner and says, I have a boyfriend. He's a surgeon. And you're like, okay, all right. Those two things are definitely going to come into play. It would have been interesting if they, this would have been a really clever movie. And at some point they would have said, look, you got money problems. We got money. We, you got money problems. We got cop problems. And if they had paid her off and she had helped them escape somehow and you subverted expectations, if there was some kind of clever twist at the end of this movie, but there isn't. Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, uh, the EMT accidentally shoots Will. So now Will's dying as, as well as the cop who's dying, but he gave his blood to save the cop and yada, yada, yada. Danny goes berserk. End up getting pinned in by the cops. Hall's like, I'm going to fucking blow your brains out on live TV. We're going to die together. We're stuck in this. Out of nowhere, Will's wife shows up with a very fake baby. And it's like, Will, Will. And we think Will's dead, but we know he's not. And he's, you know, they go out and, a, and we think a sniper shoots Danny. But we do the oldest trope in the book, which is we cut away before the gunfire. So was the EMT killed? Was Danny killed? What happened? Who did the sniper shoot? And of course it's revealed that it was Will who fired the gun from the back of the ambulance and he kills his only brother, Jake Gyllenhaal. Danny, his adoptive brother. And then he's thrown into the ground and it's shot very, very uncomfortably given the world that we live in in 2020 when you have a shot black man who cops refuse to help. Now, that's an attempt at commentary. It fails. It's very uncomfortable. And then we have another Bayism. And the Bayism is we have these flashbacks at the beginning of the movie, at the end of the movie. And it's them as boys, presumably in the 90s. But they're doing things that people would have done in the 30s, 40s, or 50s. It's the same thing you see in Armageddon when it cuts to Mill America. And all of a sudden, everybody is like driving Model T Fords and the kids are like in overalls and they got like baseball gloves and American flags and are apple pie on the window seals. And it's like a Norman Rockwell painting. And it's like, well, isn't this 1998? Like, why the fuck are these kids living in the 1930s? Everybody, like they're listening to an old transistor radio and you're like, what the fuck? What world is Michael Bay going for here? He does the same thing here. I would say he's at least moved up to the 50s. But at one point, they flash back to a child, Danny, and a child, Will, and they are dressed up as cowboys. Only Danny, or Will, rather, is the sheriff, and they're dressed up as 1950s Marty McFly Back to the Future 3 style cowboys having a shootout, and Will shoots Danny, and you're like, what in the world? These, these I mean, at least give them super soakers. 
why are we invoking 1950s imagery? I know Michael Bay is getting up there in years, but these, these are these, these. Jake Gyllenhaal is not 70 years old. Jesus Christ, folks. You have to be almost 80 to have a childhood like what we see here. There's another funny uh, little, it's a, I would assume a goof, where uh, Danny's character, uh, their dad, or Will's adopted father, Danny's biological father, had died. And um, so he, they, they find like a box full of photographs, basically. And so there's some childhood memories they have with each other, which is fine. We're establishing characters. So Yaya, a.k.a. Will, is sitting there, and he's got the photo, right? And Jake's like, what class was that? What class was that? And he's like, oh, that was Miss So-and-So's class. And then it cuts to like school, them getting like a, a class photo done. And they talk something about, like the te- oh, the teacher, uh, you, you got up in front of the class and embarrassed me and told everybody that we were brothers and but your family took me in and nobody believed me and blah, 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 blah. And like, it's like a, like a brotherly kind of jokey sort of thing. But you can see through the back of the photo. And the back of the photo is a woman, presumably in the 50s or 60s, holding a, a white baby. It's a white woman holding a white baby. I don't know if that's a tribute, like I snuck a photo in for my mom, you're Michael Bay. I don't, I don't know what it is. But they're describing a photo that we can see. We can see it. And it's not the photo that they're describing. And when they cut to the photo, like the, the flashback to when the photo was taken, it's not what we can clearly see. Why? I have no idea because it's Michael Bay and he doesn't give a fuck. And all of that, all of those things, there's so many more contrivances, like stupid things. It all brings this movie down because the criminals are too fucking stupid. Up to and including what could have what was kind of a really cool set piece. But this guy ends up like weaponizing a ambulance. It's loaded with C4 and he takes it through a, a, a police barricade. And he blows the fuck out of the cops. It's like, okay, really cool. So then he just runs away in front of the police and he takes the device that he used to fire it and he just throws it on the ground and runs. Why? And all of the chaos and all of the smoke and the shrapnel and the dead cops, this motherfucker could have just disappeared. But instead, he just stands around. And there's a bunch of other people who just stand around. An FBI agent goes, it's an ambush. Because it's so fucking obvious. It's an ambush. All of that is a disservice to some truly amazing work that Bay did with this movie. That's mostly practical. Mostly practical. Real world locations. This isn't lazy cut and paste from the island to Transformers, drag and drop Michael Bay. This is this guy almost at the, almost at the, at, like this is 90s Bay almost. But he just can't get it across the line. So instead of being a four star movie, which is a high recommend, it's now like a three and a half star. And if I was really being honest and Letterboxd gave me the option, it'd be a 3.25. Three seems too low. But if you told me this was a three-star movie, I would say you were being pretty fair. It's just, and again, we got to stick the landing. How is this going to end? 
So how does it end? Jake Gyllenhaal is dead. Ms. Gonzalez, the EMT, who plays EMT, she gets her money. Of course. I think she took most of the money for herself and only gave a small amount to Will's family. Will doesn't die. He's in the hospital. The cop says, that guy saved my life, which he did, but he also shot him. But he doesn't say Danny was the one that shot him, which would be, it was still not a get-out-of-jail-free card because he still robbed a fucking bank. And, and he took federal money. <laughs> and he led a high-speed car chase in which presumably multiple police officers died, right? Because that's the stupidity of this. He, he, he ensured that the one cop didn't die in the back of the ambulance. Good for him. He's a good guy. There's a scene where a cop car gets the entire top of it ripped off. Presumably, the officer or officers within it were decapitated. That's at the beginning of the movie. There are so many police casualties in this movie. He saved one cop's life at the expense of like 150 cops. This guy is going to jail for the rest of his life. So rather than figure out a way and have some kind of clever twist and do something interesting, the movie just ends. The movie just ends. There is actually no resolution to the story. It just ends. It had gone on so long by that point, I didn't really care that it ended. But it just ended. So I walk away just sort of, am I frustrated kind of? Because again, the potential was there. The start was good. I could overlook some things. I could forgive some things. But we just couldn't get across the line. So three and a half stars for me. It's definitely something you want to see in theaters. Uh, your mileage will vary. So those are my thoughts. If you have seen Ambulance, or you didn't give a fuck and you listen to this spoiler-filled second half, uh, anyways, let me know your thoughts. Uh, drop us a comment on bingemovies.podbean.com, where you can comment on the episodes. You can get these instant reactions even more instantaneously over at patreon.com slash bingemovies. Make sure you follow us on Letterboxd, Letterbox.com slash binge movies. If none of that sounds good to you, you can always find us on Twitter at binge movies. I'm exhausted. Until next time, binge on.